both you and I at KPFK, where we were both drama and literature directors, one of our jobs was to program the BBC, the vast uh, BBC goon shows. So I'm sure that we listened to them a lot more than most people did. I certainly did. And I'd always loved them. They used to be broadcast by uh, NBC Radio into Fresno in the 50s as part of a weekend service that was called Monitor. So I knew about the... I had been affected by... Uh, Spike Milligan, who I consider to be their chief writer and the person most responsible for that, that style. And then, as I said before, oddly enough, Rachel Lindsay. I go, this is a, a name probably no one remembers anymore, but the idea of vocal chorus, a dead art form, but something that when I was a kid in high school in the late 50s was still performed by, by adult old drama teachers in old blue dresses with blue hair would occasionally drag out one of these crackers and you get uh, 40 people together and you line them up like a chorus and then you all do things in unison and, you, and there's a script and you do all this stuff. That was a big influence on me. I don't know if, a, if anybody else even knew about it. What about Stan Freebird? Uh, I certainly knew about Stan Freeberg, but I've always considered his work to be sketch humor. And, uh, well, it certainly made me laugh. God knows. We all, we all grew up in an era where our adolescent life was influenced a lot by, by that Dragnet record and by a lot of other things. I never felt myself too influenced by, by Stan Freeberg, to tell you the truth. Because I never wanted to write sketches. I always wanted to write longer form things and was always very suspicious of comedy sketches, per se. What about the Beatles? Beatles were a huge influence on the Fire Science Theater, as you can tell by listening to the works. If you know anything about about the Beatles, uh, there was a period in our second and third albums and so forth where we were doing large amounts of references to current Beatles product that was out on the market. Um, I think the main influence was the the classic, the the really high class Beatles material came about as a result. Not my favorite. I personally like, if I like the Beatles at all, I happen to like the earlier kind of just plain old rock and roll stuff now listening back. But at the time the idea of using a whole album of tying the cuts together of being able to use some of the more avant-garde audio techniques they were way ahead of us. And I felt that we struggled as best we could through because we didn't have music to work with. We had words. But in our own way and with our own material, I thought we caught up real fast. Well, I remember the Beatles at that time were uh, uh, really beginning to have an enormous influence on the country, uh, if I'm correct. And I remember that I I have a a keen recollection of us listening to, now, was Sgt. Pepper at that time? Yeah, of of like bringing in, you know, the, the Sgt. Pepper's record uh, Lonely Hearts Club Band and putting it on and listening to it being inspired by it and uh, and, and I would say that the, the Beatles and their in, incredibly involving and uh, richly textured uh, music uh, elaborately produced and overdubbed and, and uh, electronically enhanced and very cleverly um, uh, manufactured was was tremendous inspiration to us and encouraged us to uh, experiment in an audio theater form with similar kinds of approaches, uh, and and that was a major influence. I know that we all discussed uh, our connection with the, the the comic art of Bob and Ray, the Goon shows, which we were all great fans of, the English uh, radio comedians who. Uh, Included Spike Milligan and Peter Sellers and uh, what was the other one? Uh, anyway, some some wonderful 
inspirational people. And I remember also uh, discussing Ernie Kovacs effect on us and uh, and and beyond that for me people like Robert Benchley had a great influence and uh, various various kinds of writing that usually had to do from my point of view with the creation of a character who was assuming a certain role that people would would have to accept and that would then like the treasurer's report would then twist it out and bend it and move it and carry people into into quite a comic world of distortion based on a very simple premise. And I know that uh, we drew heavily at that time in our inspiration from our own personal lives uh, going through this, what, what later became known as the youth revolution. We, we were, in a, in, in a way, uh, globally connected because we'd, we'd all come out of in, to some extent or another, Peter and I certainly had come out of the European student underworld, which which was like a, another society. It still exists. In all of Europe, there is another economy that is the student economy. And if you were a student, you could stay at a hostel instead of a hotel. And the people were very unhostile there, they were very loving and very sweet. And and you could you could hitchhike all over the place. You could basically uh, exist for for pennies a day as a student, and you're respected as such. You're a student. You're not yet a mature you know person who has to make a living. So therefore, you can live like a bum, and we love you for it. You know, you're a student. You're learning about life. So yeah, let's make it easier for you. And and also Europe being interconnected and interlinked, uh, the, the student community extended into all the countries around there. So you, by being a student, you could move easily from one place to another. And both Bergman and I had many fascinating experiences through the power of being a student. And we brought that to, uh, to the Electrician album. W.C. Fields Forever, which is uh, a, a strong takeoff on hippies. One of the things that we all were were hippies. We were all involved in the hippie lifestyle. <clears throat> Very much so, all four of us. And it's to our eternal credit that our that we had to we had to send ourselves up immediately upon being given the opportunity to do a record. It's the first thing we thought of. We didn't think of sending up the straits. We didn't think of sending up the enemy. We thought of sending up ourselves. And although I consider it the weakest piece on the album, probably because we were sending ourselves up, it has the least strong continuity. It is a documentary. Again, another uh, not not only a radio, also a radio form that you you were very much into Norman Corwin. You knew about radio documentary. You introduced me to the whole concept of radio documentary. My concept of documentary was very much more uh, film, and even more than that, the kind of uh, living newspaper that came out of the WPA projects of the 30s. I'd kind of like studied that in college. Found it all very interesting. The the AAA plowed under, and you know. Uh, lonesome train kind of stuff. So you, you turned me on to Norman Corwin and all that, and so we decided to make a documentary, in a sense, a, a documentary look of the hippies. Present day, it was absolutely, it was about, it was about Leary and all of that stuff. It was about uh, lava lamps and, and meditation and everything that was directly in our absolute present life. This is David Osman with a 25th anniversary collage of the life and times of the electrician and its creators. And here's one of them, Phil Proctor. 
we wrote the this piece based on the concept of people oppressed by power, any power, any political authority, any governmental authority, any dictatorship, any kind, anybody telling you basically what to do and how to do it, just just control. And uh, and I I think that one of the first things we agreed on in our brainstorming sessions was that we would begin the record and end the record in a loop. I don't, I don't know if we decided exactly how we were going to do that, but I, I, I know that that was very appealing to us all. And this being the first project that we had ever really written together, you know, all of the other work that we did together was improvisational, so that we'd each come in with a, uh, we, we, we'd like agree on the assignment of what it was we were going to portray, and then each one of us would work independently to create a character or characters that would embody some aspect of the idea, and then we would all live on the radio uh, reveal our our characters to one another, and out of that would come usually some pretty entertaining uh, interaction, uh, always based on the art of put-on. And in fact, to me, the, the Firesign Theater, uh, in essence, represents the art of put-on carried to the, the ultimate degree in terms of its theatricality or improvisation. Uh, because I remember that no matter how far out we would carry a premise when we were working on the radio, if we were tied into any phone lines and we could get input from the audience, we discovered that the audience would go way out there with us. As long as they bought the initial premise we could take them as far into outer space as we wanted to. We could be as outrageous in, in uh, uh, the ideas and characters we were portraying as we wanted to be, and they believed us. Now, that was both a wonderful and, and terrifying revelation because it showed uh, me, at least, and I think you too, David, uh, I can perhaps speak for all of us, it showed us the awesome power of the radio, it showed us the extent to which people were, well, either using drugs or just plain brainwashed, uh, and how they would basically follow any line that you threw them. So a lot of electrician, to me, uh, at least the the flip side of the record, the, the, main, the main part of the story, comes out of that kind of thinking and a desire on our part to to break the hold of that kind of thinking on uh, the body politic, on the people who make up uh, a nation or a country or a, a city or a neighborhood so that they start thinking for themselves and realizing that they basically <clears throat> can appreciate uh, a life of freedom if they choose to live such a life. 